What's up, guys? My name is Jamar Jabari, and welcome back to the Jabari uh, VOC podcast. And just like I promised that we're going to have a week of awesome um, artists, uh, black artists within the scene of hardcore punk and post-metal scenes, I uh, got my boy here, Richard. Richard. Hey, how's it going, calling. guys? Well, I guess somebody can respond, but hey, it's Richard here. Hey, Richard. How's you doing, bro? How, how's everything? I'm doing all right, man. Well rested. You know, I think this is like the first Saturday I can think of in a while where I didn't have anything to do in the morning. And, uh, you know, I, I got to sleep in. I get sleeping in on a Saturday for me, sleeping in till 10. Um, because, yeah, I don't know. Capitalism is kind of like whack. You know, it's like you <laughs> work you work nine to five or for me, nine to six all week long. You can't go to the doctors during the week because you have work during the week. And the doctors also work nine to five. So you right. got to push everything to, you know, you think Saturday, you just relax. Nah, man, Saturdays are busy. You condense everything into those two days, Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, everything's closed on Sunday. So I'm feeling good, man. I'm rested for once. You know, it's late. Right. Do you think that we should do like, uh, just off of you talk about uh, Saturdays and stuff, do you think that we should do like a three-day work week? Not three days, but like a four-day four work day, week. Right. Yeah, have, three like, days sounds day. crazy. It'd be, it'd be great, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound too practical. Um, I don't think companies in America will ever go for that. I know companies in other countries do, or at least governments in other countries do. But uh, I don't know. The way America works with the capitalism thing, they don't care about how you're doing. You know, it's funny. Um, I was just told my priorities are off because, you know, I'm trying to get Monday off to re- uh, return to the studio in New York and record right. some new songs. And my boss kind of yes. like left me on scene, which is weird because usually they're really good with request, you know, my time off request. But, you know, he hasn't answered me yet. And I was told I was my priorities were off because I'm more interested in going to the studio than work. You know, obviously my boss didn't tell me this, but, you know, somebody else is, you know, somebody else told me this. And it's like, I guess people and corporations, I guess we have this idea that we should like live and die to make money. But for what? What is this for? So basically, we should live and die for this company. I used to work at uh, uh, Cumberland Farms, you know, the gas station. And you could die and they'd call your mom. Be like, yo, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, if you got somebody to cover a shift, you know. What? Um, so, yeah, they would definitely, they don't care what happens to you as long as they, it's all about their interest. I feel like these companies don't really serve your interests. They provide something that you need to get by. They provide money. I feel like if anything, you're probably more valuable to them than they are to you because half these places are paying you like 10 bucks an hour to live. You know, uh, I'm luck- fortunate enough to have gone through school. I got a really good job. But a lot of these places want you to bend over backwards. You know, I guarantee you people at Walmart ha- Walmart have to work harder than I do. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, they're getting paid pennies. Um, but uh, if anything, the company needs them more than we need them. Um, but oh, if yeah. they're not. They uh, so, yeah, they, they got us. They got us. They got they have this whole grind mindset. You know, I see people waking up every day, posting on Snapchat, rising grind, going to work my two jobs today. I got a friend that works 80 hours a week, literally. I'm not joking. Yeah, I was one of those. <laughs> yeah. And those it, yeah, they think it's, it's part of this mentality where like if they just work super hard in this hamster wheel, they'll get forward. And I feel like uh, the it's like, listen, bro, the whole you're in a wheel, the system, all of it. It's like and I'm not an I'm not an economist. I don't really know how this stuff works. That's more my brother's thing. He just he's graduating with a degree in political science and econ this nice. year. But um, from what I can see, is a four week day week would be great. But for us, I, I don't know about them. I hear in other company, other other countries, it makes employees, it makes workers more productive, apparently, oh, yeah, and the quality of life improves. But uh, yeah. I feel like American companies are just fine exploiting us until we break and die. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, first of all, shout out to the Amazon workers. Because they are actually leading the cause in the forefront with unionizing, um, especially Alabama. Um, I definitely agree with all this. Uh, I can just go down and name countries that for hours probably, I even look it up and see what countries are doing. Well, we don't even know what they're doing. But um, you're, it's definitely right. And this type of struggle fits also into music as well, too. Because while workers are being exploited, us as artists are also being exploited, you know. Um, I was every day. With, oh yeah, I was talking with uh, my last conversation I had at the bar Rudy's with uh, a good brother by Upton who uh, I did a podcast with. Um, he was he was just explaining about the struggle with his band, how 
they basically just made a website without them even telling them and, and they started like getting money off of the streams from the website that they made for his band and he never saw any of that and then oh that's wild yeah when try to say something the label literally like well you guys signed this form and when you see in the broader span spotify is doing that now you know they collect the pool of money from all the streams we get and your band is popular you have like two thousand followers on facebook uh, my band has like a, a 1500 so we're about 500 less but the thing is like both of us literally have fans um I, I we stream we get streams almost every single day and no one is seeing that money in, in my band no and yeah Spotify is just giving that pull out to like famous artists like drake so basically drake is getting your money artists when you we upload on spotify Drake is getting your money. Taylor Swift is getting your money. It's like you got uh, Taylor Swift like, herself. Actually, Taylor Swift is uh, working on our side. She, her music wasn't available on Spotify for a while. You know, oh, really? Like when we, yeah, like she's uh, she was really pissed off about the whole royalty thing. You know, like yeah, and for a while I was thinking, yeah. why don't these labels? Because the labels also get money from this too. Why aren't these labels fighting for higher royalties or more royalties? The labels right. own Spotify. They actually own, like, I think, like, Sony owns, like, 8% of Spotify, and then there's Warner, UMG, you know? Right. So they're all in cahoots. I know I'm making it sound like a conspiracy theory, but, like, oh, this no. is fact. They do own a significant, I feel like 8% of a billion-dollar company, Um, like, uh, Spotify is a lot. I'm actually going to go look that up real quick. Yeah. I mean, uh, Master P was talking about it on The Breakfast Club, because we are because they already have a SAG union for actors, and the SAG yeah. union is very effective in like just helping actors on on their lives. You know, they need healthcare, they need housing, they need a guaranteed income. And yes, yeah. it's hard to get in, but once you get in, you're you're good. That's something that artists need as well too. Artists, bands, every everybody in the music world needs that. And oh, it's crazy when there. yeah when when uh, when COVID hit. Uh, you know, there's some bands, you know, like, uh, you know me, I'm a huge fan of Census Fail, you know, I mean, there are bands like Fall Out Boy, these guys are like, made, they're like borderline celebrity, well, they are celebrities, you know, in 2005, you can go to the grocery store without seeing a, a People's or a Teens magazine saying, who's Pete Wentz dating now, you know, I mean, this guy's a celebrity, right. he's made, but you got like bands like Census Fail, they're sitting under, you're talking about us at two, 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 two thousand followers, 2,000 listeners on Spotify, and and me to me in the grand scheme of things that's like we're a fraction you know that's that's a small percentage. You have people like Census Phil, they're sitting under just a million, and this guy is working at a bar right now to make ends meet for his family. Um, right now with COVID, yeah. And they the way this stuff works, man. So Taylor Swift is actually in our corner with the, I don't know if she folded and sold out. I haven't kept up with that drama in a while. Well, I just no, I heard was, about I just it. Dropped her name because I was just trying to give an idea of how. Who the money they do give it to, like artists as big as like Taylor Swift. They, they give but yeah, that that is definitely yeah. So um, I think you make like what uh, less than one cent. It's like yeah, <laughs> a hundredth of a cent or something like that. It's it's insane, bro. I, I actually looked at my royalties a while ago, and it was like I don't know, like three hundred dollars from Spotify. And I'm like, all right. To be honest, personally, I'm not losing my mind over royalties just yet. Um. Because I'm not in a position where I might make my bread and butter off of music. At this point, I'm in a position where I pay for my music rather than my music paying right. me. Um, but there are definitely some people, like I said, like the guys in Census Fail. You think, man, these guys are huge. They must be set. <laughs> no, right. dude. You know, my right. guy worked at a bar. I, I was I follow him on a spa on Instagram. And he was talking about how um, after this album, you know, Pull the Thorns from Your Heart, flopped because all the fans including myself kind of hated it you know and um the band quit on him he was working at a bar and uh you know just trying to make it like these guys are not balling like you think you would think so you know your spotify your streams aren't really going to pay these guys like you think um yeah. personally i feel like uh as an artist you have to have other business ventures um i feel like it's yeah. easy to get mad at the system and believe me a lot of people are but yeah. um uh, I hope you guys don't take this the wrong way, but actually, I feel like we just need to learn and adapt in a way. Um, there are bands like um, Periphery. You know, um, there's a uh, a page I follow on YouTube, the Punk Rock NBA. If you haven't checked it out, I, I feel like you would really love it. 
because he doesn't just talk about music. He talks about the business, the industry. And he also has a marketing channel, too, because that's what he does. His whole thing is marketing. So I guess he got to start working as a marketer for bands and, uh, you know, people like a day to remember. He would run marketing campaigns for them. And that's how he learned this stuff. But he was saying, you know, Periphery has, um, you know, they've got a software company that they make money from. They've got guitar endorsements. They do lessons. They use their band to open up avenues. They have like a coffee brand. Like, what the hell? Who says, I want coffee from that guy and that fan? But hey, it's giving them money, more money than Spotify. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's fucking dope. And uh, let's talk about your band. So I know you from Stratford during my late teens. We used to hang out with George and all. Shout out to George. Uh, rest in peace to Marco. Um, and yeah. so how did you guys start? You know what I mean? Like, how, how did Pull the Curtain? start coming into motion is that your brother by the way that's the lead singer because you guys look a little bit favorable yeah that is definitely my brother God Yo, damn, he's a beast by the way i would love to <laughs> oh meet thank him. you oh <laughs> uh, yeah you would actually very much enjoy him he's like 20 times more woke than i than i am anything i say that might sound smart it's just a watered down version of something he told me while i was trying to write a song um yeah so um with uh the band I, you know, I had this old metalcore band and we had a falling out. It didn't really work out too well. Right. Um, and um, I, it didn't really matter because I, well, I'm not that big into metalcore, you know. Um, I was more into, I grew up on pop punk. I'm really into, yep. you know, some 41. It's my favorite band. We named the band after them. You know, My Me Chemical too. Romance, Fall Out Boy. And then, like, later on, because of George, people like George, you know, and stuff like that, they introduced me to, like, Escape the Fate. And then, like, this love for yeah. post-hardcore just grew. And I joined uh, the metal band because that was all I could join at the time. I joined with, you know, some of my best friends at the time. And they let me join even though I didn't even own a guitar. I could not play guitar. They let me join anyway. And we sucked, dude. We sucked <laughs> so bad. When that broke up, I wanted to – and I couldn't – again, I sucked more than anything – I couldn't write my own music. I couldn't write. Um, so I was getting ready to give up, honestly. And um, I started seeing this guy. There was a band that I, we were supposed to have a show with. The band was current, but um, our drummer got into an accident. He was in the hospital at the time. So we had to drop off the show. But I went to the show anyway, and I met this guy, Chris Wiseman, the lead guitarist of the band Currents. Currents, um, this guy was easily like the best guitar player in Connecticut, but he was so humble. He was like the nicest dude, still is the nicest dude. And I'm fighting, I'm trying to get work off right now because I'm, I'm trying to get back to his studio on uh, Monday because that's where we record now. But um, I hit him up and he did lessons, you know, and then I started driving out to his place in West Hartford and he would just teach me music theory and teach me how to write and like. I've reached out to a lot of people. A lot of friends have tried showing me how music theory and all this stuff works, but I've got a learning disability and I've never really picked up anything quickly. Um, and for some reason, when this guy drops a concept, it makes sense to me. You know, um, I That's guess amazing. it's the way you teach, you know, you, we've all had teachers that are like, they're great people, but man, do they suck at explaining calculus. All right. I'm sorry, Miss Gilday, <laughs> you have a heart of gold, but you suck at the teacher. <laughs> but um he was able to get me to a point where i could write my own I, I could write these songs on my own and i you know i couldn't find bandmates that were into this stuff you know in connecticut you know at the time there was a lot of metalcore bands and deathcore bands and oh, you know yeah, yeah. bands and th things like that but nobody wanted to play like alisana type music with me nobody was interested in doing that nobody was interested in census fail or under oath um, so I realized Great if I band, wanted way, that sound, I love under yes, one of my favorites, one of my biggest influences, but I'm sure you could hear that in the EP. I realized yeah. if I wanted to make this goal happen, another thing is also finding people that are committed. So many people wasted my time. My guy, you don't understand. It is, it was heartbreak. Yeah. I'm, I almost quit so many times. I realized yeah. that if I wanted to make this happen, I had to do it quite literally all on my own. Um, but the only thing I could not do was sing. So I went to the studio with Wiseman. Um, I wrote and recorded this album, this EP. The only other person that helped write this thing instrumentally with Wiseman, because, you know, as a producer, it's your job to take whatever the artist is getting you and really um, bring out the absolute best. So this, I can't write drums or bass or whatever, you know, so he handled that, you know, and he really, he added some touches. You know, we, we put this product together. 
I go to him. I'm like, here's my song. He throws some drums on it and boom, it was like magic was happening, but I can't sing. And I tried again. I, was, I figured now that I just paid for keeping this stuff ain't cheap, bro. I just paid for this record. I got all the instrumentals that should be super easy to find somebody now, right? Still, right. no. I met this one guy. I was trying to get him to work with me, but like he was inconsistent. He was more interested in my friend than anything, like dating my friend. So he like low key like used me for that. And then I was still trying to like work with them, but he was just like, he would just like waste my time, but like still keep me around to get to this person. You know, it, we had, it actually ended up really bad. This guy like punched a hole in his door the day I met him. So there's a lot of egos, but not a lot of talent. I feel when it comes to singing, like he literally said, I'm the best vocalist in Connecticut. You know, right. um, that was what? those are his exact words, his exact words. You can't sing though. So how can he say that? Oh no, he could sing. He could sing. But like the point oh. is like, he was just so arrogant and he okay. was a huge waste of time, but he's just one of the examples of the pe many people that wasted my time yeah. along the way. And then eventually like my brother's been singing his whole life. It came down to the point where I was like, damn it, I'm desperate. I don't really get along with my family too well. We don't, especially at the time, we didn't have a good um, relationship. Um, I'm sure, you know, families can be very, 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 very complicated, especially in yeah. the black community. So oh, um, he was definitely my last option, but, the kid actually came through for me. Um, cause he used to make fun of me for wanting to be a musician. We all know musicians don't make money. Nobody thought I had what it took either. Keep in mind, I only, up until recently, I couldn't write music myself. I had to go get lessons right. for that. So, you know, this is the kid who kind of like teased me for wanting to be in a band. And then he like, I showed him these songs and like for the first time I had something good to show him. And he was like, damn. So the music changed his mind and then he started singing on it. We wrote this, we wrote the lyrics together and we started recording. And then I was like, you little bastard, you like low key enjoy it. You're having fun. So now he's all <laughs> in on this and he's loving it. So there we go. Boom. Our little family band, me and my brother, you know, and then we just recruited the rest of the guys. And uh, now it's just three of us. Um, you know, we had a drummer and a guitar player. The guitar player was like a good friend of mine, but uh, it didn't really work out. Um, you know, there was some conflict between him and the drummer. Um, and we just, yeah, exactly. So, um, we just felt it was best to just walk away from the both. And then what happened, it was actually something magical, in my opinion. I feel like this is a good thing because, um, now this is purely coincidence, but the last remaining member happens to be Puerto Rican. So before we I were like, people of color just showing how we just got roots in this shit, yeah <laughs> just going back to the roots <laughs> so we accidentally ended up 100 we started off mostly people of color mostly poc now we're 100 poc and the band chemistry works so much better now like i was butting heads with these guys before i was the only one putting in money we had different influences you know everybody's egos musicians are very emotional people i'm sure oh, as yes, you know Yes, so <laughs> like their egos, their pride, all this stuff comes out and it sometimes can be very counterproductive and all of that's gone now. Like me and Vincent, like our musical influences, all of his, the fa his favorite things about music are probably like the bands, the sounds that I hate the most. Yet somehow we can still coexist now. We can work him, the three of us, Colin, Vincent and I, um, I love the dynamic dynamic right now. I love the chemistry. I wish one of us could play drums because I don't know how the hell we're gonna play shows without one. But I, I'm loving You'll find it, bro. A guy. You'll yeah, find we work we'll get a fill in. When I saw Escape the Fate, they had to get uh this was when um Max Green just left. They had to get the guitars from the uh the bass player from Alessandra to do the show one time. You know what I mean? So oh damn, love that guy, somebody. yeah. Shane, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen Alessandro like two or three times. One time they actually let me on stage to do vocals with them. Yeah, uh, those dudes are so freaking dope, dude. Oh, I haven't met them yet. I want to meet uh, them. I, I wouldn't say that I met them either, but I mean, like, they hang around after the show, you know what I mean? They're not like rock yeah. stars, you know, with the attitude the pay me $100 to go meet me backstage for four minutes right. so we could take a selfie. They'll hang by the fucking, they'll hang by the, uh, they'll hang by the uh, merch table, man. They're They're solid dudes. Right. In even my opinion, that's band culture right there, because like even when we do shows, we don't we don't leave right away. We, we just stay stay back, talk to people. I love going to Brooklyn, Brooklyn and, and Manhattan is my favorite places. And you just meet so many great people. You know who 
is a genuine person when when they just do a fucking kick-ass set and then they just chill back and talk to people like it shows that they're not egotistical motherfuckers the ones you know people do that they take off man they yeah they do Especially in the rap industry, when I when I was just trying to solely work on rapping, oh my god, it was so hard just to vibe with any of these motherfuckers. Like they were just all just out after. Yeah, hey, good <laughs> set, bro. And then they take <laughs> off. You're like, yo, what the hell, man? Like, uh, you're not gonna yeah. stay for my set. I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all, man? Like, <laughs> hey, that stuff is whack. I kind of get it. Like, you know, there have been some times where like I've gone to shows and there are bands on tour and they're from like. They're way out. They're really far out, and they just gotta leave at a certain time to get back. Yeah. But then, you know, like, ah, man, I don't even want to. I had this one band, and I was, I was, not, I didn't have this band. I used to play with this band, and I'm friends with the lead singer of this band. But man, they would play a show and then smoke outside and not support. You know what I mean? Yeah, While other awesome. bands are, they would just like dip. And uh, again, like, really cool dude. Uh, I love this guy. One. The I will say he has one of the best voices I have ever heard. Right, uh, I'm not gonna give out names though because I just told on him for smoking while other bands are playing. But um, oh, no. the guy definitely got talent. <laughs> um, you know, obviously that was years ago. We were like younger. We were like 19 at the time. You know what I mean? Like we were like kids basically. So like uh, um, you know, the attitude has changed uh, since then. Um, I, I doubt he's still smoking blunts instead of supporting the other acts. But yeah, that that that's that stuff is kind of lame, man. You gotta support, you gotta hang around because sometimes when you play a show, the only people there are the other artists playing the damn show. Right. So if you leave, then there's a go there goes the crowd, bro. There goes the crowd. And I think that's so important to like because that's what I like about poets. Poets are adjacent from musicians, unless you know they 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 really shouldn't be, but it's still a separate culture. But poets stick around. Like, I don't really see any poets leaving or anything. They stick around. They support other poets. They even give other poets tips and shit before they go on. Like, it's it's the most, like, beautiful culture of performance I ever saw. But, let, lo and behold, I can hardly see that when it comes to musicians and stuff. That's how you and foster I- a scene, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like a scene is really important, you know? Yes. Definitely. And it also inspires other young people. You don't know who you can touch in that room, you know? You can touch somebody just by sticking around and stuff. Especially, like, I remember when, when I saw uh, Mayday Parade and Derek, you know, Derek wouldn't go to the merch table, so I was just so mad about that. But then, uh, but then I saw him again and I was like, oh, he is a nice guy. He is a good perception. That just, like, inspired me to write three more songs. In that same yeah. way, I don't know why. <laughs> I do understand the idea of like you know selling the VIP because that's enough. That like I was saying, you know, with the way these these labels work, because I've been listening to a lot of business podcasts. You know, with the cuts, there's so many expenses that the band has to cover and stuff like that. So many yeah. ways that the money gets split that like even the money from like the show isn't really enough. You got to sell a lot of merch. Did you know when you play a show and you sell merch? The venue gets 30% of whatever you sell. So you buy a $20 t-shirt from the band, they might be getting like, you know, 15 bucks from it, 17 bucks. They won't be getting the, they, you know, they're not getting all that money. Um, right. So um, the VIP is something that really helps them. So it's like, I try not to get too salty about that. Cause again, like once you start looking at how things work from the inside, it kind of changes how, and I'm not on the inside. I, you know, I do know, I, I do have a, a friendship with Chris who kind of tells me, Oh, you know, uh, he, he'll give me a little bit of insight on how this goes. And again, if you don't listen to the punk rock NBA, if you don't watch his YouTube videos, I would totally watch him. I check him out. Um, he's also on Spotify too with this podcast and he, you know, but what, what they're saying, so did they have to, they got to make money somehow. So I try not to hold it against them because VIP does help them. But again, like you said, when you just see somebody at the table, bro, it, that, that is, you know, you get to talk to them, you get that spark. Especially when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know how you know how like culture how how together closeness everyone is in the post metal scene. Like when you see somebody that you literally listen to for hours and hours out of the day, it, it just it just brought it just brings so much spark. Yeah, that was the sickest part of Warp Tour, yo. Uh, yeah, Warp Tour is always dope. Uh, I I I, I want to talk about Chris Motionless real quick. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's a role model right there. When you talk about a standard. Lead front man that's modest, humble, 
all about inspiring kids and all that stuff like that. Chris Motionless from Motionless and White is literally like the the man. He I would totally everybody. agree with that. He fucking remembers everybody. I I've met him like a good four times every time I came to Connecticut. He was like, "Hey man, get to see you again." I'm like, "Get to see me again." You fucking uh, my face still. <laughs> I would not want that guy to remember me after Warped Tour 2016. I don't know if you were there, but uh, that was oh, embarrassing. Was you remember when they had to stop there? playing? Oh, I was there actually. Yeah, yeah that was um, an accident. I accidentally, um, the, <sighs> the guy there was a the guy behind me. I didn't see him, and he caught my elbow. So, and I, I panicked, dude. I didn't know what the hell to do. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's, like, shaking. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to signal. I'm like, stop the fucking show, guys. Stop the show. You know, this guy needs help. And then yeah, you remember that. They're like, what? They're, they're trying to figure it out, you know? And, of course, you know, they did get that guy medical attention. But I would hate for Chris to be like, you're that bastard. But he's definitely – he's such a genuine dude. I remember when, like, uh, when – um. This band saved my life thing was a thing. And then he was yeah. just like, eventually, just, and I was questioning, I was kind of confused about it. You know, it gave me some like negative ideas. I was like, wait, so in order for this band to be my favorite band, they have to have saved me. And my favorite right. band, Sum 41. So I'm like, well, yeah. all their songs about drinking pizza. I'm sorry, drinking and pizza. So I'm like, how did, what? You know what I mean? I'm like, how does that work? And then one of these days, Chris Motions is like, this idea. That somebody else has to save you. It's BS. And if you guys pulled yourself through a dark spot, that was not my band or any other band. That was you. Take credit for your own strength right. and getting yourself back together and getting on your feet yourself. You did that. It was not any other band. And they kind right. of put the they put the power back into, I guess, the 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 hand of the listener. And kind of stopped that whole thing. Not that there was necessarily anything wrong with it, because you know, back in 2012, when all that was, uh, when that was really big, you know, you have all these people that are kind of lost. You know, I mean, the alternative community, community. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of mental illness that goes around, and a lot of these oh, yeah. people just look for a role model and they look for somebody like Chris. So to have somebody like Chris say, "Listen, bro, you need to give yourself credit," is also something powerful that he probably doesn't get enough credit for. Oh yeah, that that's such a big deal. Um mental illness is, is is never really talked about enough and it really should be talked about as much as it possible because you don't understand how much you can just change somebody's mindset on trying to get on, on trying to see what they can do to help themselves just by talking about it, especially in the black community because you know we're oh, what do you mean mental illness you gotta voting. yeah what mental illness, bro? You got food in your uh, on your you got food on your plate. You got a roof over your head. The best yep. about what? What, what are you what are you sad about? What do you mean? When I was your age, you know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> I had to fight a bear with my own hands to feed my family. Y'all, you kids today have it good. Yo, they love getting on the generations, man. They love yo tags, bro. <laughs> my mom, bro, she's like right off the boat from Haiti, man. She she'll tell oh, you, bro. Oh yeah, she, she will tell you <laughs> exactly, bro. She will she will tell you. She will tell you um, that we we got it. You know, there's what what depression. What do you gotta be sad about? You know. Yep, yep. Uh, so pull the curtain definitely came from a Sum Forty One song, right? Oh, without a doubt, dude. You kidding me? I. <laughs> nice. There was another name for the band I really wanted. I wanted it more than anything. And Colin, Colin's kind of like in charge of making sure he keeps my corniness in line. He's like, my guy, that's just cheesy. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, that that's what I'm serious. When we're throwing lyrics back and forth, like his main role is to tell me what sucks and doesn't suck, you know? Um, So he's good for that. He, you know, he can criticize without like, you know, some people are like, wow, this is fucking lame. Like I said, that other guy, I would say, hey, dude, um, what do you think of this this idea of this song? And he would literally say, this is gay or this sounds gay. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? How <laughs> do I improve my song? Are you yeah, telling like, me that my song has a great fashion sense? Like, I don't yeah. understand what you're saying to me, sir. Please. <laughs> and this, these are the kind of people I had to work with before working with my brother. So I appreciate him for that. But um, yes, definitely came from a uh, Sum 41 song. It was like, the only name we could agree on. It was like one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite songs. You know, it's an underrated song. I've seen Sum 41 a million times. 
They refuse to play songs from this goddamn album. I don't know why, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I never heard them ever play this song live. Yeah, I man. Like, oh, this is like an archive right here. <laughs> but um, they are they are definitely one of my tops. Uh, the Used is my favorite band right now. I always, I guess I keep changing, but it's definitely The Used for about seven years strong. It's been The Used. And then Sum 41 is definitely in, like, my top five. Like, I've been on such a big The Used kick lately. I, I feel you on that. Yeah, I fucking love that band. They're so fucking dope. I just got another Used t-shirt because my other one broke. Not broke, but it got like messed up and I threw it away. Yeah. Just got another one. So happy about it. <laughs> Rock I actually think I have, I think I have a, an Escape to Fate shirt that you gave George. Either that or you had the same shirt. I thought uh, sitting in my room right now, it actually got ripped at a... Huh? Is that, is yeah. that ripped up? Yeah, it got ripped. Yeah, but mine got ripped because somebody grabbed me at a concert. Somebody was like falling, and I guess they grabbed my shirt and it ripped. And it's like gold and black, right? Yes. Holy fuck, it survived. I thought George set that on fire. Why? Why would he do that? <laughs> we were just fucking around. <laughs> nah, dude. So I, you I got have it. that shirt. I have that shirt. It came full circle, man. I got. I, I have that shirt. Oh, uh, that was like one of my first band tees. You know, I think. We were gonna go see Escape the Fate. I think they were playing with like Hollywood and Dead, and I didn't have an Escape the Fate shirt. And he said you could wear mine. And then it ripped. And he's like, "Well, I guess it's yours now." Damn man, yeah. The woven, the woven texture is so stupid. I don't like how they just put like woven cotton or whatever the hell it's called. It's just not really good. And you yeah, sweat a lot, and it's just it's nasty. But they got better fabric now. They've been upgrading, or maybe I just been spending better money on it on shit. <laughs> yeah, it's know. possible, you know. <laughs> you know, that's you know. definitely investment that they make. You know, they have to decide, yo, because I've been doing that. I've been like, do we want the American apparel or do we want the Gildan tea? And then, you know, uh, Colin right. and Vincent are really into fashion and they're like, Gildan to them is like a dirty word. You know, like the, the standard uh, Gildan tea, you know, which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so it's they're like, no, American apparel, it's just, it's not much better, but we'll do it. <laughs> they're so they're, where, they're snobby. Where can people find it. your merch. You oh, um, it? yes, we do. Um, the merch, it's in the. Uh, I guess if you type in "pull the curtain band merch store," you'll find results. But it's like sitting there, and the uh, the the link is in our bio on our Instagram. It's right there. Um, you know, we're running out of hats and beanies because everybody keeps buying them. I have to send out a new order. Uh, the same friend bought a shirt, then she bought a hat, then she bought the other color we feet we off offer for the hat. And I'm like, damn, girl, you buying the whole store? <laughs> but that's support, man. That's how it starts, dude. And word of mouth and like your friends, the support you get, it's it's crazy. Just shout out to them real quick. Yeah, you know that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because like I know so many fucking people now that do a lot of great, awesome shit. And I want them to fucking, like, get on my podcast and let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the boys out there, man. That's, I'm telling it's so, it's so important, in my opinion. Not that, like, I know what's, imp- it's not like I, I have, I have, I'm the master of the universe and I know exactly what's going to work and how to pop off. But, you know, I just feel like having a strong network, having uh, a, a, you don't, nobody's going to play their first show and like sell out the room, like 40,000 people show up. But, you know, when the Webster says, hey, sell these tickets and 15 of your friends pop off and, you know, pop up and maybe you can get a few more people to show up and you got 20 people to show up to your first show and those 15 are your best friends. You know what I mean? Like having a group of friends that will come. Yeah, because you you also like venues require you so they can make their ends meet. They require you to sell uh, as many tickets as possible, and some of them have minimums, you know, right. uh, minimums that they want you to meet. If you got ten friends that are like one hundred and ten percent down to come to every single show and support you, they'll spend the ten bucks to pull up and watch you play your corny song for twenty minutes, you know, on a Friday night. You will always meet your minimum, and not having to stress about that is such a good feeling. So. I guess, you know, you and your podcast or, you know, any friend that'll buy a T-shirt or whatever it is, uh, that support is, it's, it's just, it's valuable. 
Now let's talk about the EP real quick. Yeah, uh, Counting Sheep. First of all, great EP. Uh, I you. think that's a very good uh, concept of a breakout album. Um, well, not a breakout album, it's a breakout EP, but very good. Um, I found myself listening to that on repeat a, of a few times. Hey, so. thank you. <laughs> so whatever is like on repeat with me, I'm definitely like zoned in. You know what I mean? I can see why. Uh, I can see why you guys have so much like a good following mm-hmm. right now because your, your music is really genuine. Um, it's, are you the main writer, or or do you have like co co writers for that for that project? Now, like like I said, uh, I had to write the EP alone. You know, the only person mm-hmm. that had an influence in the instrumental process is Wiseman, who serves the role as a producer. You know, and it's really great having him there because he taught me how to write in the first place. So he knows exactly which sound they want. You know what I mean? I never have to say, can you make the drum sound more like, you know what I mean? Like he just knows exactly what I need, knows what I want, or I'll, I'll write a riff. And he's like, you know what? If you play it like that, like this, it sounds similar, but better. Or I remember once he was like, if you have the option, always play it like this because it sounds brighter. You know what I mean? I'm like, what the? Right. You're right. You know what I mean? And like uh, just his direction with, uh, you know, and like a lot of people are embarrassed to say, Oh yeah, I had help with this. Or yeah, the producer had an influence. Any artist that's going to tell you that every band we know has a producer, like John Feldman from Goldfinger has had his hands in the biggest albums we can think of. I think he just worked with Trippy Red recently. You know, like wow. this guy is big. Wow. He's no less. But what I, I heard what he does is, you know, when you go to him, he you say he tells you, bring me like your best two or three ideas. And then he'll like leave and then come back with the full song. And that's how like a lot of these bands work. Um, so don't let anybody try to tell you, no, I wrote everything 100% on my, uh, on my own. I had no help. Right. So yeah. Um, in that regard, Wiseman is the only person that helped write the instrumentals because I wrote the instrumentals before I had bandmates, um, you know, with lyrics, um, I'm going to be honest, like I can't sing. Colin isn't much of a writer. Um, and, um, but he can criticize what I write when it's corny. Um, but if he was, when he does have ideas, they're fire. The chorus for Glass Bones and Paper Skin, that was yeah. his idea. Yes. That chorus that is the catchiest chorus fire. we got. Yeah. So when he when has an idea, it's good. That video? When did y'all shoot that video? Oh, that was 20 summer of all of the very, it was basically like fall 2019. It was like basically September. So, um, so like the end of August, early September, um, we filmed that. Um, so Colin definitely... Um, you know, he had a little bit of influence in the lyrical process, but not the most. Mostly where he, like, um, he, again, he keeps me in line with what's cheesy and what's not cheesy. But that's something he's working on. Um, and hopefully that'll make for better vocal melodies. Because where I struggle is the melodies. You know, I'm really bad with writing melodies. But maybe that's because I can't sing. I don't know. Um, and then there's Vincent. Vincent is, I'm the lead player for this band, but I don't even know why. The only reason why I am is because I'm the only, I was, I wrote the music. Vincent is easily the best guitar player. Well, out of the, when, even when there were three of us, he's, you know, the, he was the strongest one. Um, cause even our bass player was just, you know, he was originally our bass player, but then we let go of the guitar player and then he became, he became the other guitar player, but he knows his music theory in ways that I don't. So now, like, we're writing songs. I'm kind of pissed off about it, but it came out. It's for the best. Nice. I wrote a song. It was all done. I had lyrics ready to go. And then he was like, I don't like this one note right here. Like, it's in key, but it just sounds off. And then we changed that one note. And then he added something. I was like, okay, that sounds fire. And then next thing you know, we changed the verses for the whole song. We changed two verses. And I'm like, damn it, now I got to rewrite lyrics. But the song came out <laughs> so much better. So in the end, so, like, um. Now, that's something that maybe Wiseman would have done when we got to the studio. But, you know, I had Vincent there before I even got to the studio to make these changes. So now um, I, it's actually something I have to get used to because I, I feel like I'm, I'm a novice. I'm really new to this stuff. I'm new to songwriting. Now I'm also new to writing with people. So the new songs we've been working on, um, it's still got a lot of me in it. When I when you hear a riff, you're going to be like, OK, yeah, that, that Richard wrote that because you could tell from the EP. But um there's definitely a little bit more of Vincent um, in the newer songs that we're working on just because I'm getting his input here. I'm still, for the most part, um, I'm still writing a lot of these things on my own. But then again, after the fact, showing him and the others and then we're, you know, 
we're, he's, I guess, we're collaborating in a way. It's just a weird process for me. And then, you know, of course, as a writer, a talented writer himself, there's entire songs that we're going to drop later on down the line. And you're going to be like, this sounds like nothing they've ever done before. And that's probably something Vincent wrote because our influences. So when I say I love My Chemical Romance, I'm talking about Thank You for the Venom off of, you know, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. And when he says I love My Chemical Romance, he's talking about teenagers or mama from the Black Parade. And it's the same oh, yeah. band, but two very different sounds. So yeah. when you hear something from Pull the Curtain that sounds way out of left field, you know that that was Vincent's influence right there. He's actually not too bad. He was trying to get into Berkeley. He kind of failed there. But, um, you know, there are some things he taught himself how to do because of that goal. And um, he's pretty good at melodies, which, again, is where I, I my weakness. So there's a song, and I'm, I love the instrumentals, but God damn, it's hard to write to. And so far, this guy, like, wrote the bridge lyrically and the chorus. I'm like, why didn't – where has this talent been all this time? You know, after after the others exited the band, um, he just started doing more and showing us more. Like, that he had these, these talents and abilities. I'm like, he could literally hear a song and, like, write out the vocal melody on guitar. You know, like, he's like – this is what I think it should be, and it'll sound great. Um, so um, he's definitely, I guess, making himself more and more valuable every single day. So I really That's appreciate great. that guy. So, um, yeah, the writing process now is slowly but steadily becoming more collaborative than it was with the EP. Um, hopefully that doesn't make us sound too different, you know what I mean? Because when the idea was solely coming from my vision of post-hardcore to something that three guys shared together – you know, that could, it, it could take a big turn. So I hope that whatever we do drop in the future, people are still feeling it and it still has that pull the curtain sound, maybe just a little bit more evolved. You know, the idea of changing sound for any band is like usually like a nail in the coffin unless you're bringing me to the horizon. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I don't even know how the hell they even make it. Um, I haven't listened to their last album. So maybe yeah. I need to figure out what they did, but... I get why bands change their sounds because over time, you know, you mature, uh, and you 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 just not feeling the vibe that you're feeling that at the moment. Like, like uh, you know, maybe Blink One Eighty Two didn't want to write. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Maybe Blink didn't. They got tired about writing "fucking your grandmother." You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you remember that? Um, I want to fuck dog. Right. Yeah. yeah. They were they were crazy. <laughs> I remember when yeah. I saw them in concert. I was like, wow, you guys are old. Old ass dudes. And they got that. Or uh, there was one, I think it's when you fucked grandpa. When you fucked grandpa, did you tell him that you, I don't remember the lyrics. But the point is, yeah. Imagine listening to this and you're under 18. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'm 16 and this is effing hilarious. But you got it now. Like, I just saw them at Warp Tour 20, 2019 uh, at uh, the final Warp Tour at Atlantic City. And you got these, like, 40, almost 50-year-old dudes singing about, like, bestiality and, like, old people sex, you know? <laughs> and it's just weird, man. You're like, well, this is pop punk. You yep. Know? yep, that's what it is. Um, people like to keep – like, I, I was uh, teasing my guy, uh, Upton, about Green Day, like, because he doesn't like Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if people people like it, then they like it. <laughs> oh my god, the guy is fucking hilarious. But like, I actually I just lost my train of thought on what I was about to say about that. maturity in bands. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Green Day shows a lot of that type of dynamics of how they switch their sound up a little bit and and um and how they uh, changed from like straight up like. A hard, almost like a hardcore punk to just like a, a pop punk and then they were experimenting uh, with this punk and all that stuff. It's, it, it, it definitely shows how they can change and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just wish the fans because this is for you, Richard. I wish your fans mm-hmm. just stick with you. No matter I really hope so. You, you know, because with Light Warriors, we don't really have a genre. We, we, we devil from reggae to hard rock, from hard rock to hip hop sound. Um, and I just freak out about like what if like this is not going to be the buzz that light warriors is used to since i'm like 
two years into it. And what if this this won't be the buzz? But it ends up being a buzz. I, I just feel like as long as you put your heart into it and don't try to do it just to make a hit, you're, you're, you're still going to have your fans, Richard. Somebody tell a day to remember that. Somebody <laughs> tell a day to remember that. Did you hear the new album? Yes, I did. I uh, did. How did you I, feel about that? I didn't listen to it again. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I have a lot of love <laughs> for that band. They're definitely one of my favorites. Um, But, uh, again, like, Bring Me the Horizon, I'm one of these people who stopped really listening. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy Set Paternal and um everything they did after that. But I know that it rose them to, like, mainstream popularity. And they're, they're in, in, immensely popular right now. You know, they went viral on TikTok. You know, I think they've got like yeah. 8 million listeners. And a lot of the scene bands we were into in high school can't even hit a million. You know what I mean? Like, no, uh, The Word Alive has less than a million fo- listeners on Spotify, you know? But you have Bring Me the Horizon, you know, um, from like Moss of Flames or Miss May I, these bands don't have a million listeners. And Bring Me the Horizon has 8 million listeners right now. So Insane. What? I don't like the change, but it's hell's working. Yeah, it's almost mainstream. Wow. And it's uh, you know what I mean? Like I can listen to a song and be like, this isn't it for me, but I could tell that this is good music, like this is well written. I I they definitely have talent. Bring me the horizon are those guys that like they can change their sound and it still sounds good and it still has tons of soul and heart. And like the Data Remember album just didn't have any identity. But like you like you said, you gotta put your heart into it. And I love those guys, but um they said heart means everything on uh, from those who are, for those who have heart back in 2005, I think. I don't remember when that album came out. Um, but I feel like they, they might have forgotten that aspect, that whole heart aspect. So um, it, it's, it's exactly as you said, man. I, yeah, I mean, when listening to Breaking Benjamin, like they're not as popular anymore, but I still listen to them because I can still sense that they want this shit. I can still sense that they are putting they're they're all into their music right now even though they're not as big as they were when they first came out when they first hit and like like i I just feel like if i get a sense of like this these bands still like grinding then i'm like okay okay you guys definitely got a good project here and it could be you could only have like a hundred listeners but it'll be like dude that's a dope project you know why because i was head banging my ass off when i was listening to it and and there's a lot of like, you know, now they're like doing, you know, how they're doing now with the, with the sounds and with the, uh, the, the, like trying to add like electronics into the. Into I actually don't listen to Breaking Benjamin, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not aware of that. Oh no, no. Oh well, I was just talking about how good Breaking Benjamin is still is. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. Now segue in a little bit. My bad. Into like how that's okay. Like, like auto tune and all these type of sounds into this shit, and I feel like that's killing a lot of. A lot of bands can't do that, and but it's popular, so they're trying to like get people to like listen to it. But I'm just like, no, stick to what you know. <laughs> yeah, staying be- relevant is definitely it is it is. Uh, I guess it's like a balancing act. I you know I'm talking here like I'm like some music guru who has who has been around and been you know a hit in the industry for like a thousand years, even though I'm pretty new to it all myself. <laughs> but you know, just from what it seems, it's just like it's just not something everybody can do. Um, I guess Bring Me the Horizon should do like a workshop course on how to change and evolve without making everyone hate you. You know, because they definitely <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, like rock fans, they definitely start hating you once you drop oh. an album. That's shit. Like you can't always have hits. There's gonna be a shit album here and there. It gotta be, and you're human. But it's like once you drop one shit as album. Oh, bro, there's the wrath, man. Did you see Attack Attack came back and everybody's slamming them with memes and they're responding. This one guy tagged Attack Attack on my pro, uh, 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 just on my newsfeed, and Attack Attack is in this man's comments, like going toe to toe. And I'm like, yo, where (laughs) do y'all find the time? Don't do that. Ben, yo, block him. Block? I don't know, man. It was it was funny, man. To think as a fan, <laughs> could you imagine saying, yo, Kanye West is crazy or Kanye West sucks, and then Kanye responds like, yo, score up, where you at, fam? <laughs> yo, come outside. We ain't going to jump for you, you know? I'm the modern-day Shakespeare. You can't say that to me. <laughs> yo, facts, bro. Kanye came back with that. You'd be like, what happened? This is a fever dream, you know? 
Well, uh, Richard, we are almost in the hour uh, past our podcast, but I want to end it right here since I have another guy lined up and I got prepared. Oh, man, sorry about that. That's what happens, yeah. though. You know, when <laughs> uh, it happens. You can't just talk about music and say, yeah, we're going to wrap this up quick, man, because it's, it's a know. rabbit hole. But definitely, you're a friend of the show. Definitely want to have you come back. There's a lot we can talk about, man. And it's just great reconnecting with you again from like our, our childhood and shit like that. Like it's so definitely we'll have to link up when all this ends, bro. When all this, blo- I'm back now. I got the cheap packs, the J and J, so it doesn't really. I don't know. I'm not gonna put myself <laughs> in the line of fire because you know it's only 66 percent effective. But um, yeah. Uh, once everybody, once everything's safe, man, we definitely got to play a show. We got to link up, whatever it is, man. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. So this is it's my boy Richard. I got all his links to his band. Pull the curtain. Check him out. Very great band. Up and coming band. Uh, thank you all, everybody, for listening. This is J- Jabari, VOC Podcast, and everybody have a good day. Thank you. Effectively transforming community, peace in our human family, volume and unity, divine light shining individually. Collectively transforming community, peace in our human family. As above, so below, feel the pain in my soul, the red pill dissolved. Organized, no matter the cost, politicians start wars, they don't fight, they sit the poor. And nothing lasts forever as long as we stay together, give hell to the masses, watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture, it's one love, one growth, one light, light warriors.